hello everybody. Um, my name is Gillian Cuthbert and I am the chair of the Northern Ireland Anti-Bullying Forum. My name is Deirdre McCalski. I'm an assistant director at National Children's Bureau and we uh, manage the um, forum. Brilliant. Great. So welcome to the Parent and NI podcast, Gillian and Deirdre. Thank you for joining me. Um, maybe first of all, just to give a little bit of context, could you maybe tell me a bit about the work of the Northern Ireland Anti-Bullying Forum? So the forum's been in existence since... 2004 so it's actually 15 years in existence um, the, the primary aim of the forum is really about bringing together all of those organizations of their statutory or non-statutory so the voluntary community community organizations who have a remit or an interest in reducing um, bullying and creating safer more positive environments for children and young people to learn and grow and reach their full potential so um, I suppose for people looking in, that looks most like anti-bullying week on the outside. You know, yeah, we run that yeah. week in November, which is a lot of activities, um, loads of things going on in schools, lesson plans, assemblies, materials been made available to them. We have an annual competition, um, which is usually art and writing, creative competition for young people to engage them in the topic. And also, that's a really good way for us and forum members to find out about what's happening in schools, you know, what the issues are that children, young people and teachers parents are bringing to us but all year round that's about us bringing those members together to look at the policy context that everyone's working in to see what's changing in terms of new research or evidence that might be around on anti-bullying um, even types of uh, types of bullying and prevalence things that are happening because we're tied in with um, kind of a four nations approach with the anti-bullying forums and uh, different mechanisms that exist across the UK and Ireland so coordinator here would be linking in with them there's often maybe a new piece of research or a new way of working in schools mm-hmm. um, and so it's about making sure that that practice is shared and all of our members are finding out about that and that that's feeding down into then the information that's available to children and schools and parents through the endbullying.org.uk website because that's really the main hub for people who just want to know more about bullying or who want help yeah. so primarily if that's parents um, or children themselves or schools again that there's one place where they can go and find um, the most appropriate source of advice or guidance and in lieu of that that they're lifting the phone to us and we're helping get them to that person sure. or service as quickly as we can yeah. and that's actually quite nice and um, we laid in because um, one of the things that in preparation for this I've kind of been looking through on the the website was the the parents and, and carers toolkit which is really useful um, and within that um, toolkit, it defines bullying as the repeated use of power by one or more persons intentionally to hurt, harm or adversely affect the rights and needs of another or others. And it also states that bullying has three key elements. So that would be repeated behaviour over, over a period of time, an imbalance of power um, and intentionally hurtful behaviour. It also highlights that bullying is not a disagreement or falling out. Um, a one-off fight or argument, someone being nasty through ill-thought, <coughs> word or action, or a relationship issue where maybe just children need to learn to get on a little bit better. And so it strikes me that it might be quite difficult sometimes for parents to maybe identify bullying behaviour because I don't actually have any children myself yet, but when I think back on kind of my own experience maybe growing up, um, Kids can say hurtful things sometimes and there's maybe a lot of, particularly like secondary school, a lot of banter maybe kind of bandied about that maybe looking in someone else might think might be bullying behaviour but then again others might not think it is. 
So I wonder if we could maybe talk a little bit about how parents can identify bullying or know the signs of maybe their child might be being bullied. Okay, so whenever the word bullying is sort of said within parents, within parent groups, etc., it has this um, sort of an immediate reaction of parents, you know, this this is a particular type of behaviour. So sometimes we get very much that parents believe what, what we call unacceptable behaviour. Mm-hmm. So it is that the hit, the kick, the punch, the nasty word, etc. And parents can sometimes think that that is bullying because we don't want to see our children hurt. No. You don't want to see our children experienced in those sort of situations where you know, it causes them pain, emotional upset, etc. And we can sometimes link that straight away to bullying. So it's been very clear from the beginning that there's a very distinct difference. And you've said it very well at that beginning in, in the definition. Mm-hmm. So on that unacceptable behaviour of hitting, kicking, punching is, is, not, is not appropriate, it's not on. And that's dealt with within the school's positive behaviour policy. And again, it's very much age-related and ability-related. So a lot of our work that we do with our very young people in nursery stage up right up into to foundation stage is very much about you know building relationships how we talk to each other because young people need to learn these skills they need to learn how to deal with difficult situations how to deal with big big emotions yeah. and sometimes young people will lash out you know and that that's a difficulty some children again who may have special educational needs autism etc you know they have challenges and understanding the impact of other people's behavior on theirs and their behavior on others mm-hmm. so seeing it as the bigger picture um, bullying, yes, as you sort of said, there is repeated, intentional, and targeted, mm-hmm. and very much that it, it can come in different forms and repeated. So a young person could experience one person from each of the class saying a nasty thing to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same sort of behaviour. Is that is that bullying? Um, because it's one person doing one thing. I always look at it in the sense of the young person is facing a difficult time, you know, they're having a challenge, and it's about really focusing in on that, what strategies can we put in place, interventions, to support that young person in those situations. Yeah. Then we've got the side that sort of tra- you know, transitions in from unacceptable behaviour to bullying behaviour, and that is very much the repeated side of things, the intentional and targeted set out to actually, you know, to hurt that person, mm-hmm. doing it on purpose, going out of their way to say nasty things, do nasty things, send messages, um, and very much towards that particular person. So, and again, it's, it's about really empowering our young people to realise that they all have a part to play. So in a bullying situation, um, we see it, as you said, as banter, you've seen it going on. Mm-hmm. And we all have different roles to play within that because we have the person who is the instigating, the person displaying the bullying behaviour. You've got the other person who'd be egging it on and thinking it's funny. You have the other person on the outside sitting there thinking, you know what, I, I'm, as long as it's not me, yeah. you know, I'll just sort of sit here mm-hmm. and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other person that we need more of, which is what we call the upstander then, is the person who says, you know, this is wrong, this is not, you know, not right, and, you know, informing a teacher or a member of staff or a parent, etc. So there's all those different elements to play. So bullying is very difficult. And, what, and as parents, it is very much about... You know that uh, controlling our own emotion whenever we think those sort of things are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not being quick to put a label on things. It's go. It's early intervention is key. If we think that something is wrong with our child, if they're showing signs and symptoms of not being engaged in school, withdrawing from their friends, and um, not doing as well in their school work, not wanting to go to parties, not wanting to go out at the weekends, etc., or to be seen with certain people, it's about keeping an eye on those sort of sort of signs and then saying, right, something's not right here. Let's talk about it and keeping that very open, um, direct conversation and trying to control our emotions in this. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and not, you know, and using that bullying word as, you know, 
is is very is, is difficult for our young people too. Yeah. You know, it's recognizing that there's a problem and then sitting down together to say, you know, what can we actually do? Yeah, and it does. You're right. It does. It's very kind of emotionally intensive intensifies things when that word is kind of um put out there. And I suppose something else, just while you were talking there, that was striking me in terms of it being difficult for parents to maybe identify those things that are going going on um, within friendship groups is cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with kids maybe being involved in a lot more online activity now, um, they're using different apps, different social media, gaming platforms. Um, would you have any advice maybe for parents around those kind of things, the things that they could be maybe doing to support their child with that kind of thing. Yeah, so cyber cyberbullying is, and you know, we we hear about it a lot in the media, mm-hmm. about the rise. But it's important also to take it just a step back from that. The research would say that our young people still feel that the most prevalent form of bullying that they experience is still that verbal and the omission leaving okay. out. Mm-hmm. Cyber uh, online sort of bullying sort of extends the arm of that. That there's no way escape from it. When I was at school, if that sort of thing happened in school, you got away from it. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. the cyber side extends it to that mm-hmm. it's, uh, you're accessible now 24-7. Mm-hmm. So as a parent and a parent myself, it's very much, you know, I, I think it was my, my children, my child, oldest girl is 12, and it was very much thinking to yourself, I just want to put her in a bubble and protect her and not let her have access to this app, that, to that phone. She's not getting a yeah. phone, you know, and it's about me realising that, yes, I don't have experience of this world. And I mm-hmm. think that's the hardest thing as a parent, as a, you know, this generation. I didn't grow up in that world. I don't know what the stresses are. You know, I'm trying to learn, trying to keep up to date with it. Yeah. But I have no real experience of it. So it's sort of, I'm in the dark. Yeah. Trying to navigate what is the best thing for my child. And so the approach that I've taken and what research would sort of say is it's about that sort of concerned parenting. Mm-hmm. It's not about having that blanket ban. It's not good. It is their life. We have to embrace it. But we have to embrace it with an understanding and a relationship around it. Yeah. So very much getting um, my daughter to feel that she can tell me that there's things that are happening if she's accessed something or somebody has sent her something. And that's not going to mean I'm going to... You know, completely go off the handle and say right that phone's going I'm taking it off you because yeah. that's such a that's a massive thing for our young people oh, yeah absolutely so it's about that concerned parenting you know having that relationship that if there is something that she'll come she'll talk to me and we'll find a way around it together mm-hmm. so in relation to the cyber cyber if there's issues online I'd be encouraging parents to try and establish that relationship through those sort of means but also if there is something it is trying to take the screenshots it is trying to keep a record of things that are happening it is very much about you know the embracing that technology but realizing that it's not okay it's not okay that somebody gets you at this particular time we can do simple things like closing down permissions and um, you know access to the app to to people so it's only just friends so that you're not able to get certain people you know to just be able to troll and be able to mm-hmm. um, add on sort of any comment that they wanted it's very much talking about our young people about the reasons why people troll, why people say nasty things and do nasty things. And it's encouraging them to come forward with that. Obviously, um, the difficulty then is actually managing that. Sometimes if you can contact the actual owner of the sites, you know, the, the, the managing groups of those sites, yeah. there are means of getting track and who this is coming from, etc. And then ultimately, if it does get to the stage where it's very diff- very serious and we don't know who it is, Sometimes we can work it out if somebody puts a name, etc. It can be investigated, 
but if not then it's maybe contacting PSNI to get support mm-hmm. um, but they, again they will want you to keep records keep ideas of when that happens but making sure the most important thing is is that your young person is communicating that to you mm-hmm. if we go in with a big overreaction oh this is really you know see, the young person loses that control that they think that they mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. and it's very much about bringing them with you in this like how do we do this how are we going to take the next step and have that partnership agreement rather than I'm going to do this and you know and that can scare the young person into I'm not going to tell you mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah and that, I think you know Jenny t- talks there like about that empowerment um, yeah. importance of that like education empowerment of people of young people in their use of technology and online because a huge benefit to young people having that type of access to to information you know to to networking so it's not something that you want to scare them away from because maybe we as parents as you say just don't feel that we know it as much or as well as them so i suppose we like we've been involved at ncb in the design of a of an e-safety strategy for yeah. northern ireland so we're obviously hoping that that's published very yes. soon it's been through all yeah. kinds of phases of consultation children and young people have been hugely engaged in that the last phase of consultation had like about a thousand responses from children and young people so they do value um the opportunities that technology gives them and you're getting very strong messages from them that says you know don't limit us don't take this um yeah. environment away from us but the responsibilities on adults to create safe environments aren't diminished by that enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So it is that balanced approach that Gillian's talking about and saying, you know, there are responsibilities on those um, providers of the kind of apps and platforms that young Absolutely. people are using. And yeah. that's, you know, we're recommending that in the strategy that we really clearly set out what those standards are and that there's some kind of process built in there for actually better monitoring. And, you know, Gillian describes that really well in terms of how some of those apps operate and how difficult it can be to get that information that you may need back out um but i think it's about that like parenting online the same way you would parent offline and that that phrase that jillian used about concerned involvement we had um professor peter k smith who's like an international expert on um anti-bullying uh, school specifically but children young people and, and violence and he talked about concerned involvement so children young people especially as they grow into those teenage years when the parental influence is diminishing in importance in terms of peer yeah. influence you know yeah. that that's their kind of benchmark they don't want you there any more than you want the, they want you at the park with them yeah. or the disco or anywhere yeah. else so it's about um that relationship and it being one in which um sharing information is always a good experience for the child and it's not something mm-hmm. that they then are punished for so yeah. i mean if you think that's true of the very young child who will come and tell a parent or a teacher that something happened mm-hmm. children learn very quickly that if there is some sort of effective response to that they'll tell you the second time mm-hmm. if there is a negative or hypercritical response or no response they may not come again so they'll that trust is very instinctive for a child or young person they'll they'll come back and tell you again if they feel like you helped them the last time and that is hugely difficult for parents of course it is because you might feel the help that you can give is limited um but the i suppose that relationship being a positive one in which children and young people get a bit of modeling from us as adults about what good relationships look like what behaviors are or are not acceptable if the person's in the room with you um again i think if we don't take that gut instinct away from children and young people it's very very strong and if we respond to it 
I think it can stay strong where they know that that was not okay. That's not okay. And they approach that somebody made and what they've said to them, what they've asked them to do. They know if they feel uncomfortable. And then we have to have at least reward that with that's the right thing to have done. And you are right. Keep telling them that those instincts um, are right. And then there's a very different line here in terms of it's, it's in the way that Gillian described unacceptable behaviour up to bullying mm-hmm. that the after that into criminal um, yeah. you know into harm and things that aren't they're not bullying they are they're criminal matters and I think in that online world sometimes in the conversations we have about them that's all mixed in as well mm-hmm. and I think that only feeds into parental fear a bit online because yeah, I think absolutely. some huge harm or abuse will come to my child that's not bullying that, that's abuse you know yeah. so it, it is fighting those spaces and places of what's a, who, what what is happening and then who might be able to help me with that or what might be an effective strategy but not been afraid to step up to say no that this isn't just bullying this isn't somebody at school who's not put their name on snapchat mm-hmm. this is um this is an unknown person who is um you know causing or potentially causing harm to the child so there's all kinds of responsibilities here at different levels mm-hmm. of adults whether we're the parent or or an authority um, you know as as we step up but sometimes it's really simple those things you know we we're talking to a group of parents recently and, and the friendship group where they had agreed a cut off time for a small group of teenagers who were quite friendly in terms of phones in the basket or phones downstairs and parents doing it as well because it's the feeling cut off from your friendship mm-hmm. group that really young people are telling us causes them anxiety yeah. you know I got my phone taken away but nobody else did and you're now isolating me and you're making me the target I am going to be um, open to humiliation yeah, now because yeah. I'm not allowed my phone whereas if everybody wasn't allowed you know it was easier so it's a really balanced approach yeah. and been able to negotiate some limitations yeah. um, on the use of a technology that yeah, don't feel to the young person yes. like yeah you're you're not on their side therefore they'll keep those activities away from yeah. you because yeah. so that yeah, it's hard and um but it's it's maybe that balanced approach and trying to keep that communication open yeah um okay so let's take it back to where bullying can maybe more traditionally take place, um, and that might be in schools. So would you have any advice for how parents can address this with their, their child's school and what would be expected from them in terms of looking after pupils in this respect? Okay, so when it comes to the, uh, a bullying situation, if a parent is concerned about the welfare of their child, etc., it's very much, first of all, sitting down with, the ch- with their young person finding out what is actually happening. So equipping themselves with the knowledge and understanding of what's been happening. And it could be that the parent decides just to monitor for a wee while but keeps a record of anything that the child is saying, etc., or telling them. And that's very much about maintaining those relationships with school, making a point of contact, first of all, with the class teacher mm-hmm. to discuss those concerns, to see if they have noticed anything, if there's anything that they've already put in place or any difficulties that the young person is facing. Um, and have that open dialogue even from the lowest level to the highest level of bullying that is the most crucial thing maintaining that relationship with the school maintain that contact with the school and updates to find out what both sides can do what a parent can do what the school can do to support the situation if the if the parent has approached the school and they have discussed and put interventions well and again it could be that they say actually it's unacceptable behavior at the minute but we're monitoring it that's okay. You may feel very strongly that it's bullying, etc. 
but it's very much the school can only deal with the information that they have in front of them at that time okay. and that's why that information is key keeping them posted on things that are happening and as well as creating that awareness so that lunchtime supervisors caretakers teachers classroom assistants can be aware and to monitor the situation so that they can look at interactions in the playground or the classroom and feed into that knowledge base for the member staff because that ultimately will affect the interventions that a school would use mm-hmm. i'll talk about those in a wee second if, for example, then this, if you, you have dealt with that and you feel that actually nothing is changing, nothing's improving, the incidents are still happening, then I would be saying you make a meeting then with the principals of the school. You can either do that by, again, following the school's protocols or policy, contact the school, write a letter to the principal, and then go in and discuss that with the principal. Um, that may then focus in again on interventions and let you hear as well what the school are actually doing. There's a difficulty in this situation if it, if it is a, um, involving a group of young people or another young person. We can only be told the information that's relating to our child. So the school will be doing things in the background to support maybe the group of young people or the other children. But under data protection and child protection, we can't discuss that. So that can be quite frustrating for parents sometimes. Yeah. And they can often feel well, they're not doing anything for them. The school will be putting things into place. And then ultimately then this the stage within the school policy is if they're not happy they can write a letter to the Board of Governors and get that dealt with through the Board of Governors and then further on from that is the Ombudsman and remain making that complaint further. Through the NIABF um, we created what we call the Effective Responses to Bullying Behaviour. Mm-hmm. That came out in 2014 and that was very much looking at a stage, staged approach to bullying. So as we all are aware early intervention strategies work best so the sooner we know the sooner we can put supports in. So there's a whole raft of things that uh, that interventions that a school can select and use from and again these are not just for bullying situations as I said it's very much about if there's a relationship issue it's very much coming at it from that restorative side. So the, the interventions are very much will be based on in individual situations. It could be that the child just needs a check-in with an adult. It could be that at break time, dinner time, this is where the incidents are happening. So therefore, it's looking at a whole school approach. Mm-hmm. It's looking at what do we do at break times and dinner times? Is there structured games? Is there, you know, could we add in some more structure to reduce those sort of behaviours? Mm-hmm. So there's lots of things that could, you know, could happen within yeah. the school. But what I see as well is a very powerful thing. If I use this with my own child, children, um, is as a parent, Whenever you have a, 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 a child who's coming home saying that they've been bullied or something isn't happy for them, etc., we have this awful urge as parents that we just want to know because you're putting your child into a school. They're having all these interactions and you, you want to keep them safe, but you don't have that knowledge. So your child comes in and the first thing that you say to them is very much, so did they say anything to you today? Yeah. Did, you know, were they mean to you today? And you're sort of like, you know, and that's because you want to know, you want mm-hmm. to just settle yourself because yeah. you your anxiety and worry. And it's going against your grain, no matter how much you want to know. So it's trying to flip that onto the more positive side of things. Because if we dwell on those negatives, then our children are going to think about that. Whereas that could have been one or two interactions in a day when they had about 50 other really positive interactions. And it's how we focus them into what they're seeing and why they, their filter of focus on, on their day. If we go straight into that negative, it's going to impact on the negative so it's very much asking your child I sort of sit at dinner time and say tell me something that really good that happened today tell me something that made you really happy today you know tell me something that you you did well or t- you know tell me about something that you were nice to yeah mm-hmm. and that's sort of yeah, opens we, we up like, yeah and we came to today and yes yeah. came to you yeah because so. you really thought you want them to see that you know because you know with positive psychology and all that if, if we get up in the morning and we think that everything's bad everything's bad it will you know it will be 
So it's trying to flip that focus onto this, the positive psychology that, yes, this is a very difficult thing, you know, but there's other things that are going on yeah. well in your life too. And I think as well as that as a parent, it's another piece of, you know, something that worked for me really well was we wanted, whenever you face difficulty, you want to tell your child, you know, just, just ignore them. You know, I know my mum has said, she said to me when I was a child, just ignore them, just walk away. And you're sitting there going, well, yeah, you could do that. But is that going to help that child in that situation? Is that going to make a difference? Um, because again, as I go back to, bullying is about power. If you accept that and, and walk away, away and you head down, you're giving that person power. And again, this very much depends on the age of your child, their ability, etc. But it's I would always say to you know, talk over it. What could you say back? Mm-hmm. How could we look at this? What else could you do? You know, if somebody's being nasty to you, how can you communicate that to others? You know, so putting your hand up and saying stop. Mm-hmm. You know, if an adult sees you in the in the and saying I want you to stop, yeah. you know, that's going to be a better response than than hitting yeah. back. You know, because mm-hmm. that's sometimes the message that's given. Just hit them back. Mm-hmm. Whereas that then again opens up a whole can of worms. That you've displayed the behaviour that we're talking about, and then the disciplinary uh, positive behaviour policy will apply to you as well. Mm-hmm. So it's how do we, you know, that sort of stop, you know, stop. Yeah. Um. Also, you know, giving a child a plan. I always agree very much with scripts and very much about preparing a child. Mm-hmm. So if something like if somebody called you a, a nasty name, what would you do? What could you do? Who could you go and talk to? So that whenever, if they're ever in that situation, that they're going to a plan that they've already thought about. So I always look at it in the lines of when we go on an airplane, you know, we go Mm -hmm. with the first thing we do is our safety announcement. So we know that this, the the, the life jacket's under the seat. We know that the air is going to come from above. We've went through it. It's the same thing for situations like this. It's preparing our children. And I have done role plays with my children because as well as that, they don't often get tone of voice body language mm-hmm. and sometimes practicing and I've, I know I've had my, my own daughter you know especially when she was prepared she was a bit worried about people calling her names when she went to big school this big change the yeah. transition time yeah. I was like okay then if that worried you what would you do so I call, I call her an, a, a name mm-hmm. and then she'll say something back and I'll say well what did you think you know, is that something that's useful to say you know did you say it strong enough mm-hmm. so we work on tone what did you look like because if the shoulders are down the head's down yeah. You know, it's trying to empower her body language-wise because sometimes it's about looking confident, even though inside sometimes you're <laughs> dancing you in your stomach yeah, and you're... Yeah, but it's about that air of confidence and mm-hmm. saying, no, I'm not actually, you know, do not speak to me like that. Mm-hmm. And that's matching as well. Sometimes you want to, you know, react with the same type of language that somebody has said to you and saying, no, no, that's not appropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's what could you say and how could we say that in a way that's, you know, acceptable for... for for school, etc., unacceptable to tell that person and to stop that power. Yeah, so um, within the parents and carers toolkit that we mentioned there at the start of the episode, um, there's lots of tips and advice for parents on kind of building confidence with their child and self-esteem, um, and also the different strategies that parents can maybe use to help prevent bullying. And one of the things in there um, is called worth a rethink. So could you maybe tell us a wee bit more about that um, strategy? Worth a rethink is one of the strategies that was in the effective responses that we use within schools. And it's very much about changing thought processes. And very much like what I talked about um, previously in relation to what else could I do? So the rethink is in two sort of stages. So the first thing, and I guess if I find the language that works, it's not about just 
answering each of these questions is having that natural dialogue you know with your young person and and being able to talk about sort of things in relation to their, their age and stage of ability mm-hmm. so i would be so if i was doing worth the rethink now with my own daughter so say for example um she's a primary school child and somebody didn't want to play with her in the playground mm-hmm. so she came home from school today and she was really worried about it and we talk and we say okay then so tell me what's happened today so this is like again not a restorative thing so she could say well sarah my friend wouldn't play with me in the playground today and i said well what did you think about that well how did that make you you know what did it make you think in your head i've got no friends nobody likes me i hate school I don't want to go out to play that, you know, and then, and then they'll have that natural conversation and then it's moving it on to, and whenever you feel that somebody, whenever someone doesn't want to play with you, how does that make you feel inside? So very much about emotional intelligence, the emotional intelligence with our young people is actually lack, is lacking and reducing mm-hmm. that understanding of these big emotions that are happening inside them. And that's why, you know, as parents, you know, we need to, we need to increase our language on that. So yeah. very much, if you talk about feelings, everyone talks about happy, sad and angry. Yeah. There's bigger feelings out there. There's the, you know, anxious, scared, excited, frustrated. You know, it's us having that language too so that we can help them to label those feelings. So those big big feelings are happening inside. People talk sometimes about, oh, the red mist. You know, we mm-hmm. have to, it's, it's not about that. It's about you're feeling frustrated. I can see in your body language you're feeling really frustrated or you are really excited. Look at the way you're jumping up and down, you know. That's, yeah. While you're so excited, you know, it's us being able to, in natural experiences within life, be able to label those feelings. Because when it comes to talking about feelings then, the young people have a better understanding of the broader range. And that these feelings are normal and they're okay and they're only temporary. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be like that forever. And we can do things to change those feelings, you know, because you can go very quickly from happy to sad, excited to frustrated. And it's, that, that's okay and normal. Mm-hmm. So you talk with them, how does that make them feel? And then you say, well, what did you do then at lunchtime when you've had no, no friend, you know, nobody wanted to play with you? What did you do? Oh, I sat on the bloody bench and nobody played with me. Or I just went over and stood at the wall. You know, and again, that's when you're just, your heart melts. I just want to go, I just want to go in and just rescue. Why does nobody want to play yeah. with you today? Yeah. And that's the important thing as well, is remembering that that's her perception. Mm-hmm. It could have been a 30 second mm-hmm. experience for her, but it just overtook the whole day. Yeah. You know, and yeah. sometimes again, we're, it's not just our, our, our children that do that. We do that sometimes too. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had a really good day. One bad thing happens, you know, and that's you it. Then. focus on that. That's yeah. It. <laughs> you know, and we have to realize that that, and that's again, comes back to what we talked about earlier, about looking at what went well today, et cetera, and all that linking mm-hmm. together. So if we have, so what's happened? What did that make you think? How did you feel? What did you do as a result of that? And then, as you know, the consequence of that was that, you know, and, you know, and you'd sort of talk that through and say, so Sarah didn't want to play with you and you felt really sad and you stood at the gate and that means then the concept that you felt very alone then at break time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not, that's, that's a really big feeling. And sit with them in that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're going to go in and rescue, that is, and recognise that where the child is at, recognise those big feelings that that's, that would make you, that would make you feel sad. Yeah. Okay then, so what can we do? And then it's about doing exactly the same thing again, going through the questions, but trying to find another way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to teach them other things to do. Yeah, give them options. Yeah, give them options. And you. that could be the same conversation they have with an older young person. Uh-huh. You, know, put, you don't feel as if you have to use every single thing. It's getting the structure of what happened, how did it make you feel and think, and as a result of that, you know, what was the outcome of that? Mm-hmm. What was the outcome? So let's see if we can flip it. What else could you do? So it's equipping our young people with other options. 
strengthen them to try and have the confidence, giving them the language that they could use, practicing those scripts with them so that they are able to maybe go and even ask. So some children really struggle with just asking somebody to play. Mm-hmm. So I'd be suggesting then role play with them. You know, so say, right, okay, well, and, and that can happen naturally within, if especially younger kids, if you're doing role play and creative play at home, mm-hmm. or it could be just saying, listen, you know, I see there's a difficulty that I'm less practice with that. And it is a bit weird. Like my daughter did look at me a bit weird sometimes <laughs> when I was sitting in the front room calling her names. <laughs> and she's going, you know, but mom, I was like, no, it's, but it's, it's letting her know she's safe to do it and she's safe to try. Mm-hmm. And that nobody's going to judge that we're, it's learning. We're all learning. And even in our own professional lives, there's yeah. situations that we deal with and work lives that we deal with and family life as well. There's good old balancing yeah. family life where you say, you you know, you have to rethink, you have to, especially come to Christmas now and those the difficult yeah, times in Christmas. Managing those conflicts yeah. and how do we do that and recognising that things do make us feel a certain way but empowering ourselves to be able to do something else mm-hmm. because whenever you're in conflict or a difficult situation your emotional response affects your brain affects how you function that's why we say and do things during anger that we think back later on why did I say that yeah. why did I do that because that thinking part of your brain switches completely off mm-hmm. when you have these big feelings yeah. and it's about recognising that and talking about that and then again it's another thing that I would suggest that parents talk about their, with their young people is those impact of those feelings on brain how our brain works you know that if you are experiencing fear you know a fear response or you're scared of something or you know you're worried about something your thinking does change mm-hmm. yeah. and how you how you deal with things because you're your, what we call your executive function and skills how you how you think about the situation as a whole would be very different whenever you're lovely and calm yeah and we have so many concerns now around young people's mental health and i suppose bullying can be a contributing factor to that um so everything that you're talking about there in terms of managing emotions encouraging your children to think about their emotions so they can identify those um, it's all really important. It's acknowledging all those like changes in childhood as well. Like mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about cyberbullying and saying we didn't grow up in this world and mm-hmm. we don't know it, but childhood looks so different than mm-hmm. it did even one generation ago. So, some of those things that are impacting and like it's really interesting. As Gillian says, there like a lot of a lot of going back from the behaviour back to the feeling and back to the thought. Mm-hmm. You know, even naming those that behaviors come from feelings and feelings come from thoughts and then thinking where did i think that because you know one of the most powerful things you can say is that it, not everything you think is true mm-hmm. it's really not you know yeah. and we know that you know mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. describe it there in anger yeah. or anything else not everything you think is tr- is true and being able to unpick that and uh, realizing that we often end up in situations where as Gillian describes it there the thinking bit is cut down and having those plans or something to go back on is brilliant but the the childhood that our children are in like some of the differences like even in terms of how of um where children have opportunities to develop those problem solving skills coping mechanisms their resilience or self-esteem the opportunities are very different and there, there might be new ones but there are some that feel like they're smaller so when we were younger there were significantly more opportunities for children in mixed peer mixed peer groups so children of all ages i mean if you were 12 and you have a six-year-old and a Mm four-year-old younger brother and sister you better have come up with a game that they were going to be (laughs) able to join in too yeah you know you have to manage that you could have been out playing in the street with two 12 year olds a 10 year old and a six-year-old you're like what are we going to do here so there is a wee bit of managing and and a more more opportunity to understand those different abilities that come Mm -hmm. with age where now so much of children's activities are 
age grouped. We, so we would nearly have a fit of a six-year-old and a 12-year-old were put together in the one environment we're saying that's inappropriate. They need to come between six and seven and they need to come to the activity between <laughs> seven and eight. So much of our children's activities are adult-led. Mm-hmm. They're in groups, they're in activities, they're in clubs where the entire activity is directed for them. They come in and the adult tells them what's going to happen or they direct the activity until they go home back to the care of the other adult. We were out in the street going, we'll figure it out until it's dinner time and come up with things. And 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 a lot of the children's play, physical play environment is their own. My computer and your computer and your computer. So that natural sharing or figuring out if you've got it and now what am I going to do till you get it. It's seeing that some of the natural play environments for children look very, very different. And so we can't just presume that they will get those same opportunities to develop problem solving skills and some of the thinking that you might otherwise or coping that you might have had to do. Like as parents, yes, we do feel it. You don't want them to be sad, so you jump in and rescue mm-hmm. and fix it and give mm-hmm. them something or take them somewhere or make it better by. But we've actually maybe robbed them of the wee opportunity to find their own way. Yeah. And you know, when you make that connection to mental health and save. How, how positive is it that something as simple as Gillian sitting in the living room with a cringy 12-year-old <laughs> doing her role play yeah. is giving her the tools for the next problem mm-hmm. to know and have that confidence in herself that she might be able to figure it out. So it's a wee bit about being kind of prepared as well and preparing your child for just life, I guess, mm-hmm. those life skills. Because as you say, it's not just bullying in the playground. You grow up and you're managing different conflicts throughout throughout your life. Um, but something that maybe people don't prepare for or might find difficult is if we flip that and what if your child is displaying brilliant behaviour, how can parents maybe manage that or, or deal with that? Okay, so it's, you know, a lot of research would say that if a, a young person is displaying bullying behaviour, that they ha- can have, you know, experienced bullying themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about looking in the grand scheme of things, you know, it could be that your child has gone through a bullying experience and been bullied and therefore then later on has maybe displayed those bullying behaviours. So it's looking to see what the history is, you know, why is a young person experience, you know, ex- exhibiting behaviour like that? Mm-hmm. Is there anything going on in that child's life at the minute, you know, that they feel out of control, that they feel that things aren't going for them, you know, right or, you know, there could be lots of different issues that a young person's experiencing. So it's very much looking at what is happening for this child. You know, what would be, is it their understanding? Is it that they um, have difficulties with relationships? Do they need support with forming relationships? You know, with sharing, with being able to let somebody else take control? Because whenever you have a difficult situation, you try to, we all do that. We, we take the control and we want to hold on to everything really, really tightly. Mm-hmm. And, um, for some young people, it's about learning to let go of that, you know, learning to trust other people. Um, if your child is experiencing those, again, calming yourself first of all. It is a difficult situation to deal with. We don't want our children to feel that way, but it's very much about it's the behaviour that we you know that we're having a challenge here, not you. It's about detaching the behaviour from the child. It's this behaviour we don't like, and it's this behaviour that we need to change. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? And I guess but as I say, it's it's the school will work, but you know, through the effective responses, our resource very much looks at the interventions for both the child displaying bullying behaviour, mm-hmm. and the child experiencing bullying behaviour, because both of them need support. Yeah. So if we want to change behaviour, if we want to resolve the situation, both young people need support to be able to look at why a lot of young people don't realise the impact that their behaviours having on others, and need to be that needs to be explained, and they need to understand that by through social stories 
whether it's through um, think time discussions, etc. If they then recognise that behaviour, then it's about them strengthening it and building it. With anything new, you know, if we were trying a new skill or whatever, it's going to take time. I think it's what some research will say, 21 days, you know, in order to change a behaviour. You know, and again, it's, uh, but what level is that behaviour? Is that something that the child's been experiencing for years? So obviously it's going to take an awful lot longer. Mm-hmm. So it's about giving time to it, giving reassurance and support to the young person. Is it self-esteem, confidence with this young person? Is it that they are feeling weak and trying to mask it with something else? Um, so it's about how could we help that person you know, with self-esteem? So again, come back to positive comments, looking at things, catching them being good is one of my favourite behaviour strategies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much go back to you know, you know, children who have challenging behaviour. We know they've challenging behaviour. You know, we get lots of lists of what sort of things, the challenges that we have. But it's about saying, right, that's okay, but what is it that they're doing good? Mm-hmm. Where can we focus that on? How can we build that and develop that further so that we reduce all these challenges and start focusing on that positive? And it could be then with the school, um, it could be that the young person is having those difficulties and that's about using our code of practice and, and systems within schools to support that young person to get that extra help. Mm-hmm. And again, with any sort of situation, if you're concerned, whether, you know, for your child's mental health, whether it's their behaviours, etc., it's then sometimes worthwhile visit your GP because there could be underlying situations that we're not aware of mm-hmm. and difficulties and that further support can be you know maintained through that. Yeah, yeah that, it's interesting the labelling like the NIBF materials and everything that um, Education Authority and all of the other partners have had to produce has steered the language away really effectively from that label of bullying which was so or the bully which yeah. was really common you know. Or perpetrator. Perpetrators, another word. You know, when when you think that yeah, that children live up or down to the expectations that we have of them. Mm -hmm. You know, you can look back and think of that harsh or hypercritical parenting style, or teacher or teaching old authoritative teaching style, or anything else. That exactly as we talked about before. You know, if you concentrate on the positive. Or, or the negative that's literally how the brain works you know that that is how the pathways will be developed those messages if a child hears that about themselves and that is the expectation of them that is a place where they sit rest into mm-hmm. and looking from the outside you can think oh you see i told you i know you told them as well and that's yeah. how they come to be because literally the brain fires up all the neurons and they make pathways between each other and they get to be like concreted over like the motorway if you mm-hmm. just keep you know, given the same message and the same message that literally gets to be like a concrete bridge and it's very hard to take it away. So it is about those environments and sometimes it's about that homeschool piece as well about the children getting the same messages and, and that piece about the, the bullying behaviour I think is really powerful because when we talk about saying any behaviour, we talk there about behaviour comes from feelings, come from thoughts. Yeah. Well, so it is true of the bullying behaviour as well. Mm-hmm. And every behaviour is a response to some kind of stimulus, something, yeah. you know, as you said in work or somebody does mm-hmm. something, then you, there's there's a pattern. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to get in between the stimulus or whatever it is. The first thing was it kicked you off and the behaviour. And for any of us trying to change the behaviour, you have to get opportunity to practice that. You have to get opportunity to build that new pathway, mm-hmm. get a new bridge built in the brain um, and get a new habit formed or you practice a new skill in there. And sometimes you'll see skills in doing something very positive with that young person mm-hmm. and finding a new role for them where they can practice a positive behaviour. And for the parent on the other side, whose child's maybe been previously on receiving end of negative but unwanted behaviour, unacceptable or bullying behaviour, it looks like a reward. They think that that child has been rewarded for their behaviour. We'll look at the, how did they come to be the monitor this week? Sure, they were bullying my child last week. Yeah, and yeah, yet, yeah. what school's trying to do there is create an opportunity for a new 
pathway for a new way of thinking, feeling and behaving mm-hmm. and to create a new place because it is it is restorative. If you want children and that child has to live and learn and grow and reach their potential too. And young people as well make mistakes. Exactly. Don't so we even all? on this probably all, yes, on the process of change if we're all the tri- if we have trying to do our diets or are giving up on uh-huh. things that we shouldn't be doing. You know, we do so well for a period of time and then we will fall off that bandwagon and we'll get straight back on again. Mm-hmm. It's the same with behaviour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to take time, but the important thing that we all need to remember is that the brain is what we call malleable. It can change. You talked a bit about change there. And to come back, we already didn't start, where we talked about Anti-Billion Week. We've just come off the back of another very successful Anti-Billion Week campaign. Um, and your theme for that week was change starts with us. Um. So maybe to round up the podcast episode for this month, um, if we look at the positives, we'd have lo- loads of great chat there about positive. And I think the, the main message coming through really as I'm having the conversation with you is relationships and communication are key. Yeah. Um, but maybe just to finish us off then, ladies, um, thinking about the change starts with, if you were to have your change towards ending bullying, what would that be? Well, I'll go with what I put on my Change Starts With Us pledge. And again, it's everybody working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about uh, parents and schools working together, schools and parents working together, education authority, volunteer organisations. It's the whole community working together. And it's recognising as well that we all can make a difference. We can all make a small difference, whether it's our young people realising that they are going to be the upstander and stand up to this, recognise bullying, call it out. Um, it's our parents realising, yes, I now I understand what bullying is and it's about you know taking time, keeping that communication with the school. And it's again about organisations like ourselves continuing to drive forward the message that bullying is unacceptable and it's, it needs to be removed from our society and working towards how do we do that? How can we share a consistent approach? How can we share that our teachers are supported? How can we share our parents are supported and our young people are supported? So we can, to realise that it's not about one person making a difference, it's about all of us making a difference and really working together to ensure that everybody has a safer, happier environment for everybody, more inclusive, more diverse, so that we're acceptant of everybody. And I'm gonna say, <coughs> change starts with kindness. And I say it because, you know, we talked about this again during Anti-Bullying Week as well. We need the strategies and we need the legislation and we need schools to have really good policies and we need all of that structure to take the weight. But all of us live in the tiny day-to-day interactions that we have with each other, with our children, with, you know, colleagues, with everyone else. And every tiny, small act of kindness lights up your own brain. Mm -hmm. Really, it lights it up, feel really good. It's a really good reinforcing strategy for our own behaviours to other people. But every act of kindness received by somebody else really impacts as well on their view of themselves, on their view of where they fit and that sense of belonging is a really positive thing, especially in school contexts that you know that, you know, if, if people are kind when they can and you can always be kind, you know, then it's easiest to be kind to those people that we already like or are really friendly with yeah. or are kind to us yesterday. But finding tiny kindnesses to people who need the most, which are often those children or people who experience or 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 display more difficult behaviours, yeah. every tiny act of kindness is, is lighting up that brain and your own. Yeah, kindness is magic. Um, thank you very much, Gillian and Deidre, for taking time to chat with me today. Really it's appreciate been lovely. It. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Great discussion with Gillian and Deidre there. Uh, lots of useful guidance and ideas to help you in dealing with bullying. 
Um, so thanks again to them for taking part in the discussion this month. And just to mention as well that there is still time to enter the Anti-Bullying Week 2019 competition in either the art or writing categories. The deadline for that is 4pm on Friday the 20th of December and you can find out more about that by visiting nbullying.org.uk and you'll find all the details uh, for that in the Anti-Bullying Week section and it's under the subheading competition. So if you do have any concerns about your child and bullying, you can always get in touch with us. Parenting and I are here to listen to and reassure you with any parenting concerns that you may have. And you can contact us for free on 0808 8010 uh, We do also have a new research article this month, which always accompanies the podcast. You can get that on parentingni.org. Um, so all that's left to say is thanks for listening, folks. And I'll chat to you again next month. Don't forget to keep rating, reviewing and subscribing on whatever podcast and app you listen to us on. Thanks very much. Bye.